So growth always to me was stronger, fitter, faster, smarter, better, richer, all these things, growing, growing, getting, getting more, getting more, getting better. But actually now growth to me just means how well can I listen to that inner voice? Hi friends, and welcome to Do The Damn Thing. I'm your host, Lauren LaRue. I'm an entrepreneur who started with a small blog, and now I am the CEO of the LaRue brand, a lifestyle business and branding studio for women entrepreneurs building intentional lives and intentional businesses. But don't fret, this podcast is for everybody. I created this podcast with the intent to offer people a safe space to land and learn about the journey we're all on together. It's not just about being happy. It's about healing, getting to know yourself and living intentionally, which is why this podcast is the right place for all of you beautiful souls showing up ready to change your life. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another fabulous episode of the Do The Damn Thing podcast. I'm so excited to be bringing you guys the very first guest of 2024. She is so fabulous. She is Victoria. She is a holistic health and mindset coach who helps ambitious women find balance through movement, mindset, and nutrition. In her coaching practice, she combines a variety of modalities, including traditional health coaching, neuro-linguistic programming, or NLP, internal family systems, or IFS, somatic intervention and visualization. Currently, Victoria works one-on-one with clients and in group settings. When she's not coaching clients, she's teaching rhythm cycling and spin classes. Before she transitioned to coaching full-time, Victoria spent over a decade at PwC, one of the big four professional service firms in financial services and then in people and culture. Victoria started her career in NYC. We love an NYC girly, but after five years, moved to Sydney, Australia, where she still resides today. During her time at PwC, she focused on finding balance and prioritizing the well-being of herself and her teams. She found that it isn't always easy, but it is almost always possible if the right frameworks are in place. In addition to her coaching certifications, Victoria graduated with honors from the University of Scranton with a bachelor's degree in accounting and finance, as well as an MBA. What an introduction. So impressive. (laughs) I love it. That was so informative and so beautiful. Victoria, I'm so happy to have you here. Why don't you introduce yourself to the people? Amazing. Thanks so much, Lauren. I'm so excited to be here today chatting with you and and your audience as well. So yeah, my name is Victoria. I grew up in New York, um, about an hour from New York City. Um, had had a great childhood growing up. wasn't always easy, but but wasn't there was no real traumatic events. Um, came from a really hardworking family, so I think I picked that up along the way. You know, went on to college to study accounting and finance at the University of Scranton in Pennsylvania before I moved back to New York City and started my career at PwC. Um, even during my time at university, you know, people, I found myself kind of really pushing hard and I was really always prioritizing working hard and not really thinking too much about joy or fun or my well-being. It was more just about, you know, how can I get good grades? How can I get a good job and, and have a career that I, I can be proud of? Um, so more of the same kind of came true when I went into um, big four accounting at, at PwC and professional services. And it was, you know, work hard, mm-hmm. pre- play hard mentality. I think probably a lot of um, people can resonate with that and what that is like. Um, and I think those early years um, in my career at PwC, especially in New York, that was definitely true. So um, whilst I was, you know, always really interested in in well-being and my, my mom was a personal trainer when I was younger. So I was, you know, I played a lot of sport in, in high school and, and in middle school. Um, so I was always very active and in that regard. But 
I never really focused on, you know, joy or well-being mm-hmm. or what that actually means holistically until until I was a bit older and I came to Australia. Um, so after five years at PwC in New York, I was given the opportunity to move to Sydney and I thought, oh, wow, this, this could be good for me. I was kind of just skirting burnout. I don't know if I ever actually reached mm-hmm. burnout, like technically or, or clinically as, as they would describe it, but I kind of could at a few different times see the lights of the truck coming and just managed to mm-hmm. skate out of the way in time. And I don't know if that's, you know, signs from the universe that I was taking or just luck or my ability to see it coming or whatever, but kind of felt like that was looming and, and the chance to move to Sydney was like, yep, yeah, okay, let's do it. And um, it ended up being kind of the, the best decision that I, that I made. So I came on a two-year secondment. I'm still here five and a half years later. Um, still definitely have my American <laughs> accent and, you know, once a New Yorker, or always a New Yorker, but um, yeah, really love, love my lifestyle here. And I think as I continued at PwC, I, I, towards the end of my career, when I was more senior, I realized, you know, the thing I loved doing most was coaching mm-hmm. my team members and my juniors and, you know, watching them develop. And I just really felt always that that was the most important thing. It was like, to me, there was nothing more important than them feeling good and developing and learning and feeling like they're getting what they want out of their careers and out of their lives. It was never, you know, I know client deliverables were always really important too, but I I found myself really prioritizing Mm -hmm. that. Um, So then over the last 18 months of my career at PwC, I just left at the end of October, actually. Um, I started making changes and, and, you know, doing some study to become a coach. And then I decided after taking clients on the side for a little while that this is really what I wanted to do. And, you know, decided to, as you would say, (laughs) do the damn thing, um, go full time into coaching. Um, And it's been amazing. I, I feel really excited and energized every day when I get to see my clients and and work with them and see the transformations that they're making, no matter how big or small. So yeah, I feel really lucky to, to do this work. That's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing all of that with us. This is going to be such a fabulous conversation. I'm so excited. So I want to dive in to the beginning. So let's track back and take our listeners back to PwC, your time there, moving to Australia. So when we initially chatted, you had mentioned that it was kind of, like you said, you you don't know if you actually reached a whole burnout, but you were definitely on your way there. And you talked about a moment in your life. It was during COVID, during the shutdown. You were in between this transition period. You had already moved and you had hoped, um, and obviously this is true, but I want to hear more about this, that this move would, would trigger a, a different change in your life. And you realize that things that used to fill up your cup no longer were. You, Like you said, your body was healthy and you were doing all the intentional things. But when we initially chatted, something that really resonated with me was you said your mindset was missing. The, the happiness and the joy was missing. So how did you begin to figure out how to change that? Was it a hit from the universe that signaled you? Like, like you said, those kind of blinding lights coming towards you from the truck? Or was it just kind of a, a slow change that you made that was triggered by the move to Australia? What do you think happened that caused caused this massive shift in your life? Yeah. So I I guess, you know, they always say looking back, um, Mm -hmm. all the dots connect. So now looking back, I can see them connected so so nicely. And I think it really was a combination of things for sure. So um, like when I first moved to Australia, I kind of settled right back into the same way that I was in New York, in a sense, where I was working hard, playing hard, you know, I would leave, um, I would never skip the gym, I'd go to the gym during dinner, and then I would come back to my desk, have my salad, and, and continue working until eight, nine o'clock. Um, and that felt normal, because 
all of my colleagues were doing the same. And actually, mm. it actually felt like I was super healthy because a lot of my colleagues or the mo- majority of my colleagues weren't actually going to the gym during dinner. They were just staying working into late into the evening. So I kind of was following this path that had been laid out for me by someone else and thought, this this should work. This should be great. Like I've got my mm-hmm. well-being. I go to the gym. I eat salad. I work hard. I get promoted. I'm top rated. Everything should be going well. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I know there are so many women. I see this so so often with my clients where they're like, I'm doing everything right, but I just I don't feel great. And I think mm-hmm. so. I think if I have to put together a combination of things that happen kind of in fairly quick succession, I think. A lot of people, or even myself, think, oh, it's just going to be one thing that tips you over the edge. And mm-hmm. sometimes it is. Sometimes it's there's a straw that kind of breaks the camel's back mm-hmm. that's really obvious. Um, mm-hmm. For me, it was it was more of a, a couple of things stacking up and then finally got to a point where I was like, okay, it's time to make a change. So um, like you said, during COVID, I had just started Vedic um, meditating, which is also mm-hmm. known as transcendental or TM meditation, mm-hmm. so mantra meditation. So I learned to do that in... January 2019. And then in Australia, we had our first COVID lockdown in March 2020. So pretty shortly thereafter. Um, and, you know, at first lockdown was it was kind of novel. It was kind of fun. I was living with my two best girlfriends at the time. And my partner had just moved in. We had this luxe apartment in Bondi Beach. We were like doing workouts in the, in the garage. It was fun. Um, and then eventually that wore off when my first busy season in lockdown came. So it was like the end of April, I was 2 a.m. I can remember it so vividly. Um, I was on the phone with the partner that I was working with and and taking calls from the CFO of my client at the time. Everyone else in in the house was sound asleep. I was whispering. The living room was pretty dark because I didn't want to keep people awake. And I thought, wow, this is like, this is not fun anymore. And I kind of realized Mm -hmm. at the time that all of that had maybe just been not drowned out, but I guess I had been distracted in the past because that was not my first time being on the phone or working till 2am for sure. But it was like, it felt more normal previously because I would be in a room with 10 or 15 other people, sometimes even more at that time. So it kind of felt like, oh, we're in it together. You know, we're we're all doing this. This is how it's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Um, So I had that moment. And then from there, I kind of realized, and I remember saying to my, my boyfriend at the time and probably multiple people at the time where I was like, I get this mental health thing like that. That's what people mean when they say mental health struggles. I was like, I feel like I'm on a slippery slope um, Mm -hmm. and I, I, I need to do something to change it. So I started to have this realization where I was like, I'm the only one who's going to make myself happy and help Mm -hmm. myself create the lifestyle that I want. If I stay here working late all the time and doing all these things, you know, whatever firm you're at, doesn't matter. It's going to take, as much as it can from you, as much as you're willing to give. So mm-hmm, and once I had that realization, I, of course I, yeah, it's like, it's so, so true. And once I had that realization, I kind of started to make small changes, but I went on, carried on for another year and a bit until we went into our next lockdown. And that's when I really was like, okay, I had a few other stressful, busy seasons. I thought now it's time to make the change. Um, and I started to maybe prioritize, I think the best word to use it was prioritize myself. Um, mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people use the word selfish. And I don't even think it was selfish. It was more just like, okay, Vic, get it together. You are the only one who's responsible for you. So what are the things that you're going to do that fill your cup? So I started riding on the road. Um, I started ocean swimming. I started doing all these things. I started putting boundaries around when I was going to work. So if I went to the gym during dinner, I wasn't coming back anymore to my desk. I no no longer saw that as normal or how I should be behaving. And it was actually amazing what happened. I felt so um, 
just like empowered and energized. And I kind of realized that I had created energy that I could sustain and that could help me fuel my lifestyle as I wanted it um, because I was filling my cup first and then putting the priorities of others there. Like after I did that, that year, I had an amazing year at work. I was top rated. I was promoted. Everything was going really well, but I still had that niggling voice um, or I would call now I would call my true self that was really kind of scratching at me to say, Hey, this is not what we want long-term. Um, we need to start making some changes. So that's when I started to kind of take steps, small steps over the the next like 18 months or so. Um, I had some time off. I did study, um, studied as a holistic health coach. Then I studied as a neuro-linguistic programming or NLP practitioner, um, did a couple of other courses. I trained to be an indoor cycling coach. So like think like soul cycle or rhythm ride inside, which is so much fun. Um, and just started doing all these things. And I had some more time off. I went traveling and then I came back and changed roles at PwC into people and culture, um, which I enjoyed a lot. Um, definitely missed my teams um, from back in my assurance days, but was really enjoying it and taking clients on the side. And then at the end of October, I thought now's the, now's the time to take the leap. But so I think, yeah, and to really answer your question, it was maybe you just being better at taking signs from the universe. Like they, mm-hmm. now that I look back, I can see all of those signs were there. But when all of those different moments came up, I don't know that I was ready necessarily to make make the changes. And then it got to a point where it was so grinding that it was like, okay, mm-hmm. now's the time to make the change. The truck lights are coming at you again. What are you going to do about it? Okay, make the shift. That's amazing. I think so many people can relate to so much of what you said. I think all of us have reached those those breakout points where it's like that fight or flight feeling kicks in and you have to decide like, am I am I going to keep suffering? Am I going to keep putting other things and other people in my job and everything outside of me before me before I decide to care for myself? And sometimes it is, like you said, it's, it's one decision that can really trigger a lot of changes. People think that making decisions outside of themselves, like moving, uh, whether it's locations or moving out of a parent's house or Anything, anything like that, major life decisions, exiting or entering a relationship or a friendship or a job, anything that involves a grieving process and moving into something new can always feel like that the thing you need to trigger a change, which is amazing. And a lot of the times that's very true. I mean, I myself did like the big move when I was really ready and fed up with Florida and I was I was done. I needed to find my own space. I needed to find my own voice. I needed to find my own identity in a place that wasn't a, a, another place that I had associated so much trauma with. And, you know, that move triggered mm-hmm. a, a new catalyst in my life and triggered the rest of the events that have happened over the last two years. And it sounds like that was a really similar experience that you had. But it's so interesting that mm-hmm. sometimes we have to take the leaps that are outside of ourselves before we have the courage to look inward. Because looking inward and identifying what really feels uncomfortable within us is always the the hardest part. It's always so much easier to try and look beyond ourselves and see like what new job, what new relationship, what new friendship, what new location can try and quote fix these things, right? But nothing's going to fix it. Everything has to start from within. And that's exactly what you did. And it took some time, but you... You turned within, you did the wellness stuff, and you did the mind. 
mindset stuff. And that's what triggered so much change. And it's interesting also that you brought up the word selfish because the last couple of days, that word has been coming up so frequently for me. And I keep telling myself, mm. like, I last year was a year of lots of masculine energy. I was really in my masculine, building my business and just dedicating all of my time, all of my man hours, all of my brain power to the growth of my business. And moving into this new year, when I was setting my goals and setting my intentions, something that came up a lot was this desire to have more feminine energy, more surrendering, more time to myself, more selfishness. And I thought to myself, do I really want to frame it in a word of selfishness? Because, and and this is something I've said on my podcast so countless times before, you can be your best self in relationships, the way you show up in your job, in everything, if you show up for yourself first. And by putting yourself first and doing those things and treating yourself with respect and integrity and dignity and, and love and kindness, in turn, lets you show up in the best ways for everything else in your life. So... The selfishness aspect, let's reframe that. Let's call it something so much more elegant and beautiful because that's what we all need to be doing. We all need to be putting ourselves first so that we can make these decisions to show up best in every other aspect of our lives. Totally. I could not agree more with everything that you just said. I want to park the fight or flight thing and come back to that Mm. because that's a really interesting um, trailhead that we can discuss, Mm -hmm. especially for ambitious women. I think that fight or flight is a constant driver for us. Um, But yeah, I I totally agree. And, And that is really the truth. And I think what I see with my clients is you know, even when we say the word selfish and, we're, and we say, no, no, selfish, it doesn't mean it's not bad. It's a good connotation. It's kind of a word that you learn from when you're really young that is, mm-hmm. don't be selfish, you know, share mm-hmm. your toys, share this, share that, yeah. help other people, be kind, be generous, all of those things. But it's like, maybe it's more just that being generous to yourself first mm-hmm. so that you can be even more generous to other people. Mm-hmm. And I found that that was absolutely what happened for me when I really made the shift and the change. And I think realizing that it's all connected and you kind of, you know, I love what you said about reframing or changing your external environment so that you can Mm -hmm. then work on the internal. And that is, that is like such a big part of the balanced corporate method, Mm -hmm. which, which I do with my clients, which is take care of your body through movement, get yourself Mm -hmm. moving, get yourself feeling better, start eating better, nourishing your body in a way that serves Mm -hmm. you. And you know, what might be healthy for someone else might not work for you. Same thing Mm -hmm. for movement. And then let's, you know, take a flashlight and shine it around on your mindset. You know, what kind of belief patterns do you have about yourself that you've developed when you were really little and you didn't even know you developed, you don't Mm -hmm. even know that they're there, but they're actually running the large majority of your life. And is that really what you want to be happening? And once you have kind of like what you said, you had some point of your life where you had realized um, and you had created that awareness that Florida was mm-hmm. no longer working for you and you wanted to kind of expand and, and flap your wings a little bit um, and mm-hmm. move to New York. And that was, I think people don't realize that having the awareness actually is the is the beginning of the whole journey. Mm-hmm. And if you Absolutely. just keep yourself in that fight or flight mode, like head down in the laptop, working, 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 Mm -hmm. that awareness can't get in. It has no Mm -hmm. way to access you because you're so focused Mm -hmm. and so driven on whatever goal it is that you're going towards. So I think taking a step back, creating a bit of slowness, stepping out of that fight or flight mode, giving yourself the space to create awareness and then Mm -hmm. starting to take your aligned actions um, is such a key, key thing. So yeah, I couldn't agree with more with everything you said. 
Yeah, I think it's really interesting, too, that we talk about we correlate the fight or flight with ambitious women because I think and I think both you and I can definitely relate to this concept of when we have these big dreams, when we are really ambitious and we have these big goals and we set most importantly, we set really high standards for ourselves. I think a lot of the times mm. when we don't have that awareness, we are teetering on such an edge of constant anxiety, constant fear, constant like sh- like the shaking feeling of, okay, I am so driven and I'm so badass, but I'm also like one thing could push me over the edge right now. And I think that that's probably where we were both at of we were just such a driving force, yeah. but head down driving. We weren't, we weren't looking at our surroundings. We weren't looking at what was happening within. And when you're driving so quickly head down, you are going to get that burnout really quickly. You are going to get to those, those truck lights much, much faster. If you're not looking around and asking yourself like, is, is what worked for me yesterday? Is that still working for me today? Is what I was doing a month ago still working for who I am, the version of myself that's showing up today? And I think it's so easy as ambitious women, especially with the different standards that are set out for ourselves, it's very easy for us to think that to continue to be ambitious, we do have to put our heads down and we do have to just stay in our own lane, but drive much faster than the person's you know, driving next to us. And I think it's really easy to teeter like on a very, very thin edge of ambition and anxiety. So it's super interesting that we both can definitely relate to that. And I would love to hear more of your thoughts on the fight or flight as an ambitious woman. Yeah. And I think that's, again, spot on. And I think for me too, I was teetering on that edge. And I remember like my hair was falling out. Uh, my mom was like, you're so stressed. And I was like, I'm not stressed. Like my eyes twitching. <laughs> twitching. Like, I'm like clearly stressed. Yeah. Yes. And she's like, you're really stressed. I'm like, I've got nothing to be stressed about. I've done yep. harder things. I've worked harder. I've done more. Like, yep. you know, and I kind of always was thinking, do more, do more, how much more can you take on? Mm-hmm. And exactly. And I think that's absolutely the culture, particularly in the US and in New York, mm-hmm. um, definitely in Sydney as well. I think more than people expect. But, you know, if you don't run fast, the person next to you is just going to run faster. But I think, mm-hmm. you know, getting clear about what your path is, um, you know, mm-hmm. not just following the path that everyone else is following and realizing and being empowered to say, hold on, I've got my own path that I need to create yeah. here that feels good for me, kind of take my head up a little bit ask myself those questions or, or work with mm-hmm. a coach who can ask you the questions and help you understand, you know, where it is that you're not looking, what it is that you're missing mm-hmm. and how to create that lifestyle for yourself that, that you need. And I think just on the fight or flight thing, like, yes, yeah, I think there are a lot of women that don't even realize that they're in fight or flight yeah, um, until they're, until they get to that teetering edge. Yeah. It's like that. And, and I think for both of us, you know, operating on that teetering edge was close mm-hmm. enough. It sounds like for yeah. us to be like, okay, close enough. We're going to make a change. But I see, I see lots of clients and lots of like old colleagues that I used to work with and um, who don't get to that edge, they go over the edge mm-hmm. and then they're like, okay, either they end up really sick or they end up with really bad digestive issues. Um, and then it's like, how do you rebuild all of those things back after mm-hmm. being in fight or flight for so long? You don't realize the damage that you're doing to your body until it's kind of too late. So yeah. I think if, if, and with anyone listening to see if you can pick up on any of those signs, are you in that, yeah. in that stage? Can you slow down a little bit and mm-hmm. just ask yourself a few questions? Am I going in the direction I want to be going in? Mm-hmm. Um, how, how would I make a change? What would feel good in this moment? And I think, 
you know, when it comes to fight or flight, it also goes hand in hand with, um, I like the term anxious overachiever. Um, mm, and I mm-hmm. think I was an anxious overachiever. Mm-hmm. And I Me think too. a lot of um, big companies, yeah, I think a lot of big companies thrive um, hiring anxious overachievers mm-hmm. because, you know, they give you a system where you're rated against your peers, you get mm-hmm. promoted against your peers, and you're kind of always a little bit anxious. Am I going to be good enough? Um, and then that goes hand in hand with people pleasing. And then that mm-hmm. creates the fight or flight mode. So then you end up doing all these things for other people without doing anything for yourself. So I think next time, you know, people take on something, maybe as a listener, as a takeaway, next time someone's asking you to do something, I think, take a second, ask yourself, do I want to do this for me? Or do I want to do this? Because I think it's going to make them happy. And once you start working back from that, then you can start to create some more space to do things that make you happy. And then once you do that, you create more energy that you can sustain. So I think it's, it's of course, not that simple. Um, but I think if you want to have a little bit of something to, to walk away with, that would be a good place to start. Yeah, and I think uh, a really great segue for people wondering how do I do this is a very important word you mentioned earlier, which is boundaries. And I think being ambitious mm-hmm. women and correlating the word boundaries can also feel really difficult because we don't know how to set those mm-hmm. boundaries while still feeling like a success. A lot of people correlate boundaries, especially in a corporate environment, with falling behind or not doing enough or not exceeding expectations, just meeting expectations. So I would love to hear your thoughts mm-hmm. on how ambitious women can set boundaries and still feel that sense of success, that sense of extraordinary. Because something that you said earlier that I thought was really interesting, and I'd love to know how this made you feel, was you mentioned that you once you started setting these boundaries for yourself, you stopped going back to work after the gym. How did that make you feel knowing that your colleagues were there still working just because they were putting in those exact hours, not necessarily more or less, but those hours and you were at home taking care of yourself and doing your thing and setting your boundaries. Did it ever make you feel like you weren't doing enough or you weren't performing high enough or whatever it may be? And how did you get comfortable with setting that boundary for yourself and still feeling that sense of success knowing, obviously, that you were doing your job and doing it very well? Yeah, I love this question. Um, And I love the the boundaries as well. I think if I take your question in, in two parts, so first, how do ambitious women start setting boundaries? And I think it's similar to the um, the selfish thing, boundaries, oh, boundaries, that just means I'm not really a team player because I've got mm-hmm. this inflexible boundary that I've put in place, which is going to make me not be a good team player because I'm going to seem like I'm not showing up for my team. Couldn't be more untrue. So I think when it comes to setting boundaries, what I always tell my clients is you can't set the boundary until you know what your intention is. So you can't just say, I've got boundaries. I don't answer my phone after 10, 10, p.m. 10 p.m. is a crazy time. Let's say 8 p.m. So I don't answer my phone after 8 p.m. I'm like, why am I saying 10 p.m.? Scratch the erase that from the podcast. (laughs) Or, you know, I'm going to have, I have had a lot of colleagues who had children. So they would say, okay, I've got, I'm offline from four to seven and I'll come back on after seven. Um, You know, those are hard boundaries. You know, if you have kids, Mm -hmm. it's a little bit harder. You you have to have those things. Totally understand Mm -hmm. that. Um, But I think it's, for ambitious corporate women to, to say to yourself or ask yourself, what is it that I want to feel? So let's say you don't have a boundary in place. Your, um, your manager, your boss calls you and you pick up the phone. 
How do you want to feel in that moment? Sometimes if you pick up the phone, you're going to feel I'm being really helpful. He or she really needs me right now. This is really important. And I'm happy to contribute to, you know, to the team in this moment. We need it. So you already Mm -hmm. have your intention set on how you want to feel. Other times it might be like, you answer the phone, oh, you hang up the phone, oh, I can't believe I took that call. Now I've got to draft this proposal and I was mm-hmm. supposed to go out with my friends and I can't now because you didn't have your intention set. So I think before you set any boundary or think about what your boundaries actually are, what is your intention? How do you actually want to feel in any given scenario? Um, and then mm-hmm. communication. So if the, your manager knows you've got something on, then that boundary is already there for you because you you don't have flexibility to to move that boundary. So I think when and then to take the second part of your question, did I feel like I was falling behind or not being a team player by, you know, going home after the gym? It was really as simple as this. There was definitely times where I did feel that way, and those were the times where I ended up staying. Um, and then I was, you know, oh, I can't believe I'm still here. I'm exhausted. Um, I'm not even doing anything. I'm not being productive. Like they don't even need this tomorrow or like, this is like unfair. Mm-hmm. And that was when I was more junior. So I also don't want to, um, you know, make it seem like it's easy for corporate. I'm sure there's a lot of ambitious women who listen to this podcast who might be in their early twenties and their early career and saying, how am I meant to leave when my manager is sitting next to me and, and she's staying behind and, and all those mm-hmm. expectations. I don't want to make it seem like it's easy. Um, but as I became more senior, it was as simple as just saying, that's not my prerogative. Mm-hmm. If that person, whoever they are, that's what they need. Um, they need that time to stay at work. That's what drives them. That's what makes mm-hmm. them feel good. That's what makes them feel seen. That's what makes them feel needed. That's their prerogative. It's not mine. My prerogative is to get sleep, prioritize my body, um, mm-hmm. prioritize my mental well-being um, so that I can show up strong tomorrow and be the energy that this team needs. I think mm-hmm. once you realize the role you play in any team that you're working on, um, whether it's at work or it's at in sport or it's at home or in relationships with your group of friends, um, once you realize your contribution, you realize you need to fuel that contribution. So whatever's going to make you feel your best to deliver that is, is kind of really what you need to do. So that was just really what, what I said. I was like, that's not my prerogative. That's not my path. I'm not, I'm not staying back. I'm not missing out. And actually, once I started doing that work got even better for me because people Mm -hmm. actually looked to me as a, wow, I want to have more balance Mm -hmm. the way she does. It was kind of, I don't want to say inspirational, but like to the juniors, oh, if she's doing it, I can do it. So I had all Mm -hmm. my juniors going to the gym as well. Um, and they were like, okay, well, that's, that's the way that we should, and you start to change the culture a little bit. So I think if there are any kind of more senior women listening in, um, know you are in a really powerful position to, to empower the people below you to, to set boundaries and show them, you know, what's possible and what good looks like. I think it's such a wonderful framework you're putting it in to think about because I think when we start setting these boundaries, it it feels so easy to immediately start to feel guilty or feel like you're not doing enough or feel like you're not exceeding expectations. And that's, that's such an easy expectation for us to put on ourselves as ambitious women. We're consistently trying to overachieve not not just the person next to us, just ourselves. We set our own set of standards and yeah. we still want to outachieve those. So I think it's a, such a wonderful framework yeah. you're putting it in, in a sense of when you set your intention of, I'm not going home just to go home and watch TV. 
and sit on the couch and veg. I'm going home so that I can decompress from the day and everything that I accomplished today so that I can fuel my body with a healthy, yummy dinner so that I can cook at home instead of ordering garbage in so that I can do X, Y, and Z, fill in the blank, whatever's applicable to you and your job and your time frame. And that way, like you said, the the best part of it is that you're refueling yourself for the day ahead tomorrow. While I'm saying that, I'm also thinking you shouldn't just be refueling yourself for the sake of doing well at your job because your job is something outside of yourself. So first and foremost, you're fueling yourself so that you feel good, so that you feel like you're showing up your best and performing your best and showing up your best for yourself and your colleagues and your friends and your significant other and whoever is in your life. And then you're showing up best at your job and and setting these boundaries, it's such a good thing. And in no way is it a bad thing. Because yes, you might be putting in one or two less hours than the cubicle next to you or the desk next to you, but you are likely showing up in a more intentional, important, driven way because you're taking the time to do the things that feel good, that fuel you, that give you the rest, relaxation, rejuvenation that you need to keep showing up at 100% every day. And while that's not always possible, and that's not always applicable to show up 100%, Doing the things that are the boundaries that you set that that give you that fuel, that give you that drive, that give you that nourishment will always help you. And the days that we don't do those things, it's very visibly easy to see how much lower your energy levels are if I missed an extra hour of sleep or if I stayed and sat at my desk until eight instead of getting off at six. It's so much easier to see how those extra man hours really take out of your wellness and your your mindset and your your ability to show up percentage for the next day. So I love that the framework is setting intentions, yeah. which is like the word behind this entire brand is intentionality. So I love mm. that the <laughs> the intention is to to do that and to to frame the boundaries as a way to better your own success, as a way to better your life. And I think that that is such an important thing for especially as women that we need to be reminded of so so often because it's easy to forget these things and it's easy to it's so easy unfortunately to just always feel like we're not doing enough even though we are doing so so much so so true and I love what you said about expectations of ourself because I think that's a big one we've picked up all these expectations from society from our family that's Mm -hmm. a big one lots of pressure from parents um and you end up having all these voices in your head that um tell you to do certain things in certain ways and actually you have your kind of true self voice or your inner knowing or you know whatever you want to call it that's this quiet little calm voice that she can help you set your boundaries perfectly. Like Mm -hmm. you set a boundary using that voice, you're never going to feel guilty um, because Mm -hmm. she knows what it is truly that you need to do and you need to prioritize. The issue with that is you have all these other competing voices in there. You've got a protector Mm -hmm. voice from that you picked up from when you were 10, 15, 20. You probably, we we have, I have so many and that's kind of what Mm -hmm. internal family systems is, is how many different parts do you have in your brain and which part is driving you the most? And I think Mm -hmm. getting through all of that and trying to understand what is that true self saying um, and how can I set a boundary from that place um, with the intention behind, you know, whatever it is, however I want to feel in that moment, in that scenario um, specifically. 
Yeah, that's that's so true. And I want to dive it more into your your life now and your coaching practices, which we we just brought up. So I want to hear more about this. So you've made this massive shift. You're doing phenomenal. You're thriving. You're helping other ambitious women thrive who are still in corporate. And I do know that a lot of women who listen to this podcast, some of my closest friends are working some fantastic corporate jobs, but it's very different. Their life looks very different. They're quote nine to five or, you know, that the framework they have around their day is really different from my own. I've, I've worked in corporate just a small smidge of my life. I did internships and uh, work at a corporate environment in college, and it was amazing, but I don't have a lot of experience in what that looks like for a long term, um, especially you know as you start growing and climbing a corporate ladder. So I want to know mm-hmm. from your experience, both in the corporate and now out of the corporate and coaching corporate women, now that you've made this transition, how do you use coaching techniques like the NLP and holistic health coaching to help your clients discover a more balanced life in corporate? Not necessarily the answer being leaving corporate, because that's not what works for everybody. And that and there are people who are thriving on the corporate ladder, but do need help setting those boundaries. So what are some of the techniques that you use to help your clients do that? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I love what you said there is you don't need to leave corporate to have a balanced lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people might not love this answer at first, but I think the first step is is really realizing that it is 100% up to you to make the changes and change in your lifestyle. Like we said earlier, whatever firm you're working for, whether it's corporate or it's a startup, it's a law firm, um, that firm is designed to take from you as much as you're willing to give. And of course, there are like systematic things that are sometimes in place that make it really challenging for people to get out of the way, but you can always make a change. It might sometimes be easier for some people than it is for others, but you can always make a change. But I think the first thing is you need to realize it's up to you. And actually, even before that, you need to realize there's a problem and that you're willing to make a change. So um, when I started coaching, I did my holistic health coaching certification, which talks about primary food and secondary food. So primary food is kind of everything that you fill your life with. So it's uh, your career, your relationships, your joy, your um, emotions, your finances, your education, all of those different things. And how are you mm-hmm. doing in those areas? Where are you really lacking or where is your cup really full? Where do you need to improve? And we call that primary food because that's actually more important than the food that you put into your body, which is your secondary food. So kind of the, the easiest mm-hmm. way to understand this is, and I was in this place for sure, you can eat all the kale and broccoli that you want. Um, <laughs> and in my case, work out all the time. Um, but you still won't be healthier, well-balanced because you know you're missing out on all of those, you know, primary food things. So I call that in my Mm -hmm. practice, the mindset. So after I did my holistic health coaching, I thought I really want to do a a neuro-linguistic programming um, certification as well. And that was super Mm -hmm. interesting. So NLP is basically what kind of um, wiring do you have in your brain and how can Mm -hmm. you rewire it to serve you better? That's obviously a very, very boiled down description of what it is, but it's uncovering belief patterns that you don't even realize are there, rewriting them. Um, What type of programs do you run as a person and how can you be more flexible in those programs? Um, So really shining light into different corners of your your mindset or your life where you might not even realize that you want to be or should be looking. So before I uh, developed the Balanced Corporate Method, I interviewed uh, 22 
ambitious women. So they're mostly corporate. So mm-hmm. professional services firms, law firms, tech firms. Um, and I found something that I knew would be true um, because what was true for them was actually true for me is that you need to focus on movement mindset and nutrition to have the whole thing stand up and keep it all together. You can't just focus mm-hmm. on one thing or the other. So even if you just focus on your mindset, let's say, but your body's deteriorating because you're not getting enough sunlight, you're not exercising, you're not eating healthily, mm-hmm. all of those things, it falls down anyway. So it's, you really need to do all three of those things. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of what we talked about earlier is that the biggest challenge that I see for my clients was, again, one of the biggest challenges that I face, which is that, you know, overachiever wanting to show up for everyone before showing up for myself or before showing up for mm-hmm. themselves. So I think it's just really showing them that it is worth it. And this is what it looks like when you do it. And then once you kind of get stronger every day, practicing, practicing, having balance, I don't want to say having balance is easy. You don't just wake up one morning and say, I'm going to be balanced today and it's going to stick forever. You might be balanced for a week and then you have a big project and then you're unbalanced and then you're balanced again. And it's, it takes years to, to kind of really figure out what it looks like for you. And I think with that, that's also a really important piece is, what works for someone else might not or probably isn't going to work for you. So it's Mm -hmm. feeling empowered to uncover what actually would work for you, what balance looks like, because if it's not something that you really enjoy, it's never going to be sustainable. So I think keep working at it. Keep trying to find what works for me without looking externally, realize it's up to Mm -hmm. me to make the changes. I'm on a different path and then pave that path or work with a coach that can help you pave that path and, and uncover what it is that would truly make you feel good. It's so interesting that we're, we're having this conversation about balance because last year, my word of the year was balance. And for the first like six months or so, I would say I was trying so hard to achieve. And this is coming from someone who has studied intentionality so deeply. Like I, st- I study spirituality. I study the law of attraction. I know ha- and have so much education around the topic of intentionality and living a wellness-driven lifestyle. And for six, I want to say six-ish months of last year, I spent driving towards this quote balance of what I thought looked like balance. And there were things, a part of that habitual routine that didn't feel fun to me that I was just forcing myself to do because I thought, okay, this is what balance looks like for X, Y, and Z. So this is what it has to look like for me. Even knowing everything I know about everything I just said. So then moving on through the year, things are happening, things are shifting. And last year was just one of the most transformational years of my life. My my business grew exponentially. And so in that time and in that, that chaos and in that busy and in that hustle, I slowly started to realize that especially as things as simple as my schedule getting so much busier and so much more full, I realized there are days where balance is going to look like one thing and then the next day it's going to look completely different. And what feels balanced to me today might not be what's balanced tomorrow or what might not be what I need next week. And a great example of that has been these last couple of weeks with the holidays. I got really sick. The flu is just flying around around here. Uh, And I got super sick and I was so stressed about the amount of work I needed to get done. But I forced myself to listen to my body, get the rest that I needed and relax. And I took the time that I knew I needed so that when the time came when I was feeling better, 
I knew I would have the energy to drive through all of that work. And I did. And that's what balance looked like to me last week, resting in bed. Now, that's not going to be what it looks like two weeks from now when I'm super healthy and doing great and thriving. I don't need to rest in bed. So it's super interesting Mm -hmm. that I took a whole year <laughs> to figure out what my definition of balance means. And then I, I think it's it's so driven to the point of it's not necessarily what works for someone else, but it's also not always what worked for you yesterday or the day before. Totally. The circumstances of our lives mm-hmm. are so constantly changing that balance is such a fluctuating term. And just listening to your body, like you said earlier, connecting with that inner voice and, and giving that inner voice the space to speak up and tell you, hey, this is what you need today. Whether it's you're stressed, you need to close out your mind, lay on the couch and just nap for an hour or just decompress or journal or, you know, or today's like a really strong hustle day and you have all this energy and you're like, I'm going to power through so much work. Whatever it is, balance, I think, comes down to that finite point that you're talking about, which is just listening to that voice within you. What is it telling you that you need? And taking that as such a directional piece of advice rather than pushing it down, rather than not listening, which is something we are so inclined to do and I think women who are in corporate are even more inclined to do because they they don't have as much flexibility with their schedule and yeah. with things like that so it's so it's so important for anyone listening to take that sole piece of advice that we're talking about which is just listening to that inner voice yeah exactly and I think Lauren I love that because that is my definition of growth this year Mm -hmm. so growth always to me was stronger fitter faster smarter Mm -hmm. better richer all these things growing growing getting Mm -hmm. getting more getting more getting better but actually now growth to me just means how well can I listen to that inner voice? Because it's exactly what you said. When you listen, when you know, and I love what you said as a a directional piece of advice. So it's like Mm -hmm. something you can trust. So it's when you, Mm -hmm. when it's coming from that voice that says you need to lay on the couch today to get better so you can be strong tomorrow. If you can actually hear it coming from that voice, then you lay on the couch and you no longer feel guilty. I should be doing this. I should be doing that. Because I think that's what happens as well is when corporate ambitious women in general um, try and have balance, then they have all these other competing priorities that come in. And then they're like, well, what's the point of me resting on the couch? If the whole time I'm resting there, I just feel anxious or bad. So it's like, how can you uncover that voice and and take that voice advice from that voice? um, And then really feel at peace when you're doing that. So that, that is growth. I think Um, everything you've just explained is true growth. It is such an amazing coincidence. No coincidences in the world. It's such an amazing synchronicity that you're using the word growth as well because a major problem that I've had in the past over the last couple years as I've grown my business, as I've become a more and more successful entrepreneur is I... I had a really bad out of, uh, what was it? It was bronchitis or pneumonia or something last year. And I got really, really sick for like two weeks. And all I felt during that sickness was this stress and this guilt of how much work I needed to do. And I hated myself for laying in bed. And it got me to a really, really bad emotional point last year. I was feeling super down. I was so stressed out. And I just really didn't know how to pull myself out of that hole. And I was living alone at the time. So I just, I that constant loneliness and that constant guilt was just festering. And every time I get sick, that's been the reaction to that sickness is this guilt, an overwhelming sense of guilt. 
And getting sick last week, getting the flu right after the holidays, of course, like I'm finally back in New Jersey and I'm just chilling and I get sick. And my inclination was to go down that guilt road, drive right down it straight through. But as the sickness started settling and as I started letting that inner voice pipe up more and more, I realized, you know what? I'm so freaking over feeling guilty for how my body is telling me you need a break you're sick, you need to chill out, you need to lay in bed, you need to get some rest. And this is the first Mm -hmm. time in the last several years of my life that I have gotten sick and not felt guilty. I was so proud of myself for laying in bed, listening to it. And all I kept thinking to myself was, this is gross. I am growing. This This is gross. gross." Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I love, one thing I want to touch on that you said was um, you kind of were at a, a path and you said, normally mm-hmm. I'd, I have the inclination to go down this path and feel guilty and beat myself yeah. up and all that stuff. But actually this time I'm going to take this other path. And I think yeah. that is such a common thing that I see with my clients and with myself is mm-hmm. when you get to the place where you have the awareness where you can make the choice and you realize I am in control of this situation. Yeah. How do I want to feel? And this time you chose, I'm going to feel empowered to lay on the couch and prioritize Mm -hmm. my body and rest and how good does that feel recovering faster than maybe you would have in the past and now that's kind of one flex of that muscle in that direction so that when more Mm -hmm. other decisions that are completely unrelated to being sick or maybe it's you know related to taking a client deadline and moving it forward when you don't really Mm -hmm. want to and you think oh okay actually I'm gonna you know I'm at this path where I could say yes and push myself really hard or I'm at this path where I could feel empowered to listen to that true voice and actually say, no, I I can't push that deadline forward. Actually, I've got these other commitments and you keep flexing that muscle. And then that inner voice gets Mm -hmm. stronger because she Mm -hmm. says, oh my gosh, she's listening to me. I've actually got a place at the table now. Let me speak up and and help her drive herself forward. Yeah. And it really is so resounding too, to our point earlier about setting boundaries, even within yourself, because that was no one was pushing me to go to work. It's just me. So that was also Mm. an amazing point to make to how when we set boundaries, even though sometimes they feel tough, we feel better the next day because I set that boundary, because I let yeah, myself get the rest. Exactly. Like you said, I felt better faster. And then when I did go back to work and I started getting shit done, I was powering through it and I was feeling so good about it. And I've gotten, I've had such a productive week and I've been able to get so much done yeah. because I took the time to take a break. And if you shorten that to the to the boundary we were talking about earlier of leaving work at a reasonable hour, not early, reasonable hour, so that you can have that time to yourself at night so that you can feel good the next day. That's exactly what this was just on a, you know, a little bit larger scale. And now I've had a productive week. I've had it, you know, so I've gotten so much done and I'm sitting here having this great podcast, which if I hadn't taken the time to get better, I might've had to postpone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so true. So true. And I think I love the the frame for, for women who work in a more corporate structure, a nine to five structure as well, because you know, you have teams to step in for you. Yep. And I know what that feels like to feel sick, but, oh, but I'm well enough to, you know, if I can open my mind used to be, and my mom used to say this just when we were kids, if you're not vomiting or you don't have a fever, you're going to school. So it's kind mm-hmm. of like, yep. if I'm Same. able, I'm going to work. But yeah, <laughs> so if I'm able to sit at my laptop, you know, and type away and work, I'm going to do it. And I think that just prolongs the process. So I think yep. feeling empowered to 
to take the time and, and let your team pick up for you where you oftentimes pick up for them. And that's really how it should be. Yeah. Well, this has been such a lovely, lovely, lovely conversation. I feel like we have yeah. said so many things people know, but hopefully this is the this is the permission they need to really take that advice. Listen to that inner knowing, listen to that inner voice, let it speak up, let it drive you and tell you, you know, this is what you need right now. And this is what feels balanced today. And let it speak up again tomorrow because what might feel balanced today might be different tomorrow. So thank you so, so much, Victoria. This has been such a lovely conversation. I understand you have an exciting offering for the listeners if you'd like to share. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me, Lauren. I feel like we we might need a part two. I think there's so many more yeah. things that we could discuss. So it's been really so. great. Um, so I offer one-on-one coaching to um, ambitious women in virtually. So I have clients in the US, the UK, Canada, and Australia. Um, and I work in six months programs. So the Balanced Corporate Method is a six month program because I think you really need at a minimum six months to make real sustainable lifestyle changes. And during that process, we'll go through kind of really where is the client at. And I've got different clients at different stages at different times. Um, so really meeting the client where they're at, what what do they need? What does she really want? How can we get clarity around what good looks like for her? And then start building in those practices to support that. And even kind of like, we, like we've been talking about, those things change over the course of six months. So what really is working? What isn't working? How do we make real sustainable lifestyle changes um, that are specific to to each person because everyone has a different idea of, of what works for them. Um, and we'll use IFS, we'll use NLP, holistic health coaching, um, somatic intervention, which is really just what do you feel in your body right now? So if you have a, if you're faced with a really big decision you need to make, what's your body telling you? Cause a lot of the times the body knows, um, and lots of visualization as well. And I find with different clients, different combinations of those things work. I'm also quite spiritual. So depending on the client that I work with will depend on if we pull that stuff in. But I think kind of law of attraction and listening to the universe and following the path that's meant for you is, is super important. So yeah, I love to help um, help my clients build that lifestyle that helps them create the energy they need to sustain their ambitious life that, that they live. That's amazing. Well, I know that, like yeah. I said, a lot of the listeners are corporate girls. I can think of several friends that I could send your way that are so ambitious, but not always the best at setting those boundaries. And yeah. I know that this is, is such that. an important practice and such an important work. And it's been important as an entrepreneur as well and setting those boundaries and discovering, you know, what works for me. So I'm so glad we were able to have this conversation. I definitely agree. I think we might need a part two. So I would love to have you on in the future to continue talking about (laughs) this. But in the meantime, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much, Victoria. Yeah, amazing. Thanks so much, Lauren. And if anyone um, wants to chat more, they can book a free discovery call on my website, which I think um, will be in the links below. That would be amazing. Yes, it will. All right. Well, Victoria, it's been an honor. I have loved our conversation and you guys know the spiel. I will see you all next week and I love you so, so dearly.